Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jesse H.S., and this is the Heart God Media Podcast. And today we have uh, a long-awaited guest that I've been wanting to have on this show for a long time, one of my uh, good friends, Mr. Daniel Clausen. Dan, say hello. Oh, hello. It's uh, You're hyping me up quite a bit here. I feel like I've got some big expectations to live up to. Well, yeah, well nothing's ever big on here, I guess. But Yeah, especially not my dick. No, no, not at all. Uh, move closer. <laughs> All right. I don't. I want to make sure we get fucking high quality audio out of your nasally fucking weird voice. Perfect. <laughs> 20, 20 seconds into the podcast, <laughs> first insult. <laughs> well, I mean, for we got a dick joke and a nasally voice joke. There goes all of our material yeah, yeah. already. <laughs> so we're we're gonna talk uh, Adam Green today. We're gonna focus obviously mainly on his uh, Hatchet franchise, but we'll touch upon his other films too. Uh, but yeah, what's uh. Well, first, let's 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 catch up on some news and stuff. Okay. I know you're not a big fan of Pet Cemetery. That is correct. Which is fucking a travesty. And I th- believe in one one episode, I called you out, and I was fucking pissed thinking about oh, it. Oh, you did, and you invited everybody on Instagram to fucking attack me. And... <laughs> <laughs> so. I I had to I had to deactivate my account before all the all the the death threats came in. But what do you think? Um, what do you think of the news of John Lithgow being cast as Judd Crandall? Well, I mean, honestly, dude, I, I'm I I think that's great. I'm on board with that idea. I mean, I I think the film has some room for improvement. It's not, <laughs> yeah, but I it's mean, universally loved. Yeah, and like, despite personal opinions. It's still a terrifying concept. It's always like it's the one book that King wrote that he said that he put in, he put away because he didn't think anybody wanted to see it, especially because it's so close, like personal to him because his son actually did almost get hit by like one of those big fucking trucks. Yeah. And, you know, it deals with child death and mourning child death and things like that. So he shelved it and I think he showed it. I want to say he showed it to like his like, publicist or somebody or maybe his manager and they're like no i don't think so but obviously it ended up getting made and he only did it to complete like a deal he had i think at the time with double day just to fulfill a contract of having one more book and that's the only reason that book i think even saw the light of day which is funny because it's my favorite stephen king book uh but the concept have you read the book no i i, I can't say i've read a single stephen king book in my entire life. If you were I mean, ever going to read any Stephen King book, i got to highly recommend reading Pet Cemetery. Okay. Because it differs from the story of the film slightly, but it is, uh, it is fucking... The book's even more like... it get, The book's darker. Well, the, the, the extent of my, uh, my knowledge of Stephen King's works... I mean, you know, with the exception of, of the films, of course, as far as his books go... Um, I like growing up in, in elementary school. I remember that I uh, checked out Carrie from my school's library, probably in like fifth or sixth grade, and uh, my my mom got a hold of it for some reason. She and she, she was like just outraged over the, the content of the book, 
So then she like called my school and had the book pulled from from the library. <laughs> what the hell? Your mom was one of those moms. Well, no, not not typically. It was it was out of the ordinary for her, but I I don't know. Maybe she's bored that day, or I don't know what this story was. But uh, you know, she just kind of went off. But um, yeah. I mean, I I'll definitely I'll give that a shot for sure when I, whenever I get around to reading, which is not often, uh, admittedly. all right was that like you hinting that you don't know how to read (laughs) well if the shoe fits i guess yeah did you ever have book fairs at your school oh yeah dude fucking uh you went to a night right uh vvs as you went to vvs yeah up until uh eighth grade yeah we used to invade your school during summer school because we'd have summer school there. Well, luckily I wasn't around at, at that time. <laughs> or well, I don't know. Well, I don't even know what grade you were in at the time. I was how, in how old are you? 25, so. 25. We might have just missed each other. You're only 25, you young prick. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm fucking five years Dude, old. Dude, your girlfriend's 25. I know. I wish she was younger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't we all? <laughs> I don't know, dude. You were probably fu- you were probably getting your first blowy. And I was still getting skid marks in my in my underwear. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, so yeah, Judd Crandall, uh, John Lithgow is fucking great. Did you did you watch all of Dexter? I haven't watched any of Dexter. Wow, you're fucking you are one of those well, guys. Huh? Well, well, it, it, a main factor in that going back to my parents is like my my dad kind of was like. Hey, that Danny, you should watch that dead that dead Dexter. It's a good good show. It's like anytime my dad recommends anything to me, I'm like, ah, eh, you know, I, I'm not. Did your sure. dad stutter that much? I never noticed. Yeah, well, you haven't heard about my dad that I, much. Oh, I've apparently. only I've only been around him, I think, once or twice. Well, I I kind of felt like you you kind of avoided coming over to my parents' house after a while, but no. When the who the fuck goes to Anita? Yeah, touche. You got me. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho. Uh, but yeah, what'd you think? Of, did you see it? Did you see the it remake? Oh yeah, I loved it. Okay, you loved it. Did you like the original TV movie? Oh, I prefer it to the to the remake, honestly. But but you did like the remake. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cool. But I just think uh, the original is just, uh, just a big John Ritter fan. You know, I always Ritter is the man. Dude, grew up. I love Three's Company. One of the best sitcoms of all time, oh, in my definitely. opinion. Love it. You know, it's. Not, not, so, you know, it's like a product of its time. You couldn't make a show like that now. It's just... There's a lot of shows you couldn't make now. Like, The Office, like, even looking at The Office, some of the things in The Office I don't think would go over in this climate now. No, dude, it's it's sad, you know. But we, we, we won't get on, on that topic. No, no. <laughs> We're polarizing enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so let's talk uh, Adam Green... Uh, Adam Green films. Mm-hmm. Uh. What was the first Adam Green film you saw? Well, Hatchet, when, around when it first came out, uh, I actually I rented it uh, back in the days when uh, Blockbuster was over there in, uh, in uh, what's the plaza over by, well, you know, next to Price Shop, where Price Shopper is. You know what I'm talking about, right? Blockbuster Plaza? I don't think it was called Blockbuster <laughs> Plaza, but okay, we, for the sake of argument, we could just yeah. call it that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, so, one day, I, what was it, like, two, 06 that came out, I want to say? Yeah. So. I don't think it got released, technically, until 2017, 
or 2007. <laughs> uh, two, 2007. Sorry. Oh, all right. Well, I well one of those years I rented it. I I just got got my you know got a little Caesar's pizza. Fucking this is the days I had I had a computer in my room. You know I had to clo- close out my Pornhub tabs. You know to make time. Was Pornhub like, around then? Uh, I want to do yeah. Pornhub's got. You must have been going to UJIS. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, at any rate, uh, so, dude, I, oh my god, I was using AIM at that time. Oh my god, it feels like an eternity. But uh, to get to my point, I watched Hatch. had a little Caesar's pizza. You know, not much has changed. And uh, dude, I don't know. It just kind of blew me away. Like I'm like, holy shit! It's like this is perfect. This embodies like. You know, like he, I, I felt that he accomplished like exactly what he was going for. Like, it, you know, a lot, of, a lot of films that claim to be throwback '80s slashers are just trying way too hard. I never felt that way with, with Hatchet. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a, uh, it was proper homage, but still, it was still telling its own story and having its own flavor on the genre oh absolutely. well at the same yeah. time obviously it was a big wink and a big like you know hand job to horror fans you know that were fans of the 80 slashers yeah but it, it never it never got like to a point where it was like annoying like you know fucking you know like the a lot of filmmakers tend to do these days where it's just like oh uh we're such a we're such nerds you know and reference all this shit like no, it was always. Uh, I thought it was always uh, for for the especially for the first three hatchets. I thought it was they were done. They were all executed like perfect. And I know for some reason I think two gets doesn't get as much love as it should. Mm-hmm. But I love two. Oh yeah, me love too. love two. I think three is still my favorite out of all of them. It is great, yeah. Um, but the original is the original hatchet is so much fun. And it's the cast. Honestly, the cast is what Because it's a simple it's a relatively simple story, obviously. You know, the legend, you know, a ghost, you know, a slasher having Kane Hodder, you know, in it. Like it's a it's a simple recipe. But what really brings the the movie to life I mean, besides Kane Hodder and, like, how awesome, like, the character of Victor Crowley is and how awesome the deaths are, it's the cast. Oh, yeah, like, dude. Well, one one big, like, one thing I, I really connect to in that, in that film, which you won't be surprised when I say this, is that I feel that I can relate to Joel David Moore's character. You do look this similar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> relatively taller uh, gentleman, big nose, nasally voices. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, he... Yeah, you nailed it. But he, uh, well, just the whole uh, the story, the, the whole backstory about him uh, breaking up or his girlfriend breaking up with him, you know, like that kind of shit. Like I, I you know, I can relate all too well to that. And uh, I don't know. It's just like a lot of movies don't even make an attempt, especially slashers. They they focus so much on like the the gore aspect. They you know the the character development. They don't kinda, tap into the like backstory of characters as much yeah yeah and i mean it was a simple story i mean you know this guy you know looking to try to get his mind off of his breakup goes you know on this trip with his buddies you know and i don't know but it it worked it just works so well i thought it it still does and like i said the the cast is you know joel david moore uh dion richmond uh it's so i mean perry shen like is fucking 
Always great. show stealer every time. Absolutely. Every time he's on screen, he's a, he steals the show. It's so fucking good. And of course, Joel Murray, like his character oh. is fucking perfect. <laughs> Ever heard of Bayou Beavers? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and fucking man. Richard Really, like too. Oh. I mean, it's just so fucking. Dude, I mark out any any Richard Really appearance in any movie. It's just I I oh I yeah gotta, he's I amazing. Gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. Even like his small cameo in Texas Chainsaw 3D. I'm like that's it. Like, oh yeah yeah, love it. Like dude, when he when I first saw that, <laughs> when saw that in theaters, and when he fucking got out of the car. I fucking literally put my hands up. I was like, yes, fucking Richard Really. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Oh man. Dude, like, but seriously, like, Joel David Moore and Deanne Richmond, dude, like, they, they, it felt like they were, like, like, they were, like, best friends, like. Yeah, they definitely had a rapport on camera that, like, transcended, transcended, and I was actually a Deanne Richmond fan before this, because he was in a movie called Trippin' from the late 90s, that's, like, uh, he plays, like, a daydreaming, like, kid that, like, smokes weed, and, like, he's just, like, a daydreamer, and he has all these, like, fucking, like, daydreams and he's kind of like uh i don't know it's hard to explain but it was fucking hilarious and i haven't seen it since i was was a kid so that was the first thing i'd seen him in since like not another teen movie or something like that you might have to throw that on tonight what's that tripping yeah yeah um it's a fucking hilarious fucking film what what sitcom was it that Dion richmond was on was it was it sister sister was it my brother and me no (laughs) some some uh Something like, God, dude. Now, but he's underrated. I, it's a shame we haven't seen him in more because he is fucking hysterical, especially in Hatchet. He fucking like kills me. Oh yeah. Like the best lines in the film he has. I don't know if those lines were improv. Some of them, like the fucking moons over my hammy yell fucking line, <laughs> gets yeah. me every fucking time. I lose it. And the fucking like just his facial reactions. And what he, like, does in that film is so fucking funny. Like, when he's shit-talking Victor Crowley, and he's just, like, fucking talking shit, and then he looks there. Like, it's just fucking, like, that is, like, he walks, like, the whole, the film as a whole does this, but, like, he does it in, 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 like, a lot of scenes, too. They walk the line of, like, comedy and horror of, like, you know, being so goofy that like it could be cheesy but then you know they walk that line perfectly where it never goes on one side or the other it's just it's a perfect mesh of being funny and being like a a good horror film i agree and well you know what like uh, upon you know my first watch i was kind of like you know to me that some of the humor to me was like yeah you know it seemed kind of forced but then it seems like as i watched it more I, I grew an appreciation for it, and uh, man, I just, I, I, it just gets better with, with every watch, you know. It does, and it's still, you know, obviously uh, more than ten years old now. It still holds up very fucking solid. I, I think I just the problem was was that the way it was marketed, I went into it expecting like an all out just straight up slasher film, and it's like I didn't expect these comedic elements. So then, like, for instance, a scene where he like is up in that tree and he falls out or whatever i'm like i didn't think i'd see like a slasher film with like fucking like three stooges like fucking i know, I know. Shit comedy but like the more i watch i'm like this this works really well you know like and at the same time it still is like the first one 
I think the first three more more than the the last uh, the fourth entry um, do still have like a spooky element to it that's still there despite the comedy that exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is hard to achieve. So the fact that Adam Green kind of achieves that is kind of uh, it's it's kind of cool that he you know has carved out that little niche in, in those films specifically. Which, um, I think my favorite Adam Green film isn't even of the Hatchet series, which is, it's kind of hard to say when I kind of say that now, because I think about how much I love the first three. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just like, I, but I think it's Frozen. I think Frozen's my favorite. That, that is fantastic. Again, a simple concept, but how it's executed. And, which I think a lot of that has to do with being filmed... You know, not in a soundstage. They're filmed on a fucking ski lift yeah. in the fucking cold. Like, that brings that realism, you know, that they can... It's not hard for them to stretch and imagine themselves freezing to death on a fucking... On a chairlift. Like, they're actually freezing death to death on a fucking chairlift. Like, so it comes off very authentic. And that movie is super, like... Because it's an everyday fear. That movie... Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's been said too, like, uh, you know, what Jaws did to fucking, you know, swimming, like, that did to fucking Frozen did to, like ski resorts. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, and the the really like the the fact that I kind of have always had a man crush on uh, Sean Ashmore certainly heightened my enjoyment of the film. I think he's a fantastic actor. Um. See, and going back to the Hatchet series, I feel like uh, Victor Crowley kind of tried to do the same thing, whereas you know, uh, they're kind of caught in in this in in the, in the plane or whatever. Mm -hmm. Kind of tried to do the same thing, where it's like you know, uh, minimalistic. Uh, you know, what I'm trying to claustrophobic say. feeling, yeah. Like, uh... But it just they didn't didn't work quite as well, you know. I you know you know what though I'll tell you what I give him endless credit for hiding the production for keeping it all under wraps and like revealing hey we have a fourth entry in the Hatchet film yeah um I didn't like it as much as the other three I can respect uh it, it what it is for what it is mm -hmm. and I'm I'm glad that he's he made a fourth one i'm glad that he you know is still continuing on he's still making films because i think he is one of the the better filmmakers out there right now especially especially for the horror genre i mean i mean because he, he stays in that lane mainly um but yeah i didn't it didn't have what i thought the the rest of the films had especially the third one because i felt the third one was it ended on such a high note that was such a an awesome fucking way to like end it all but at the same time so many people were clamoring for a, a fourth entry um so the fact that we got it i'm happy about i didn't like it as much as the other th other three um but i enjoy it um for what it is it's just for me it doesn't have the twinkle that the other three have especially the third one i i agree um I know I said otherwise to you, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, Victor Crowley probably was the weakest in the franchise. That being said, I still really enjoyed it. 
you know, just being a huge Hatchet fan, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Just seeing Victor Crowley back, you know, was enough for me, I mean... But uh, it, it certainly kind of lacked the, the... The kills weren't as memorable. I feel like, for me, I didn't get enough Victor Crowley. That too, yeah. I mean, maybe it was just like he was just trying to save him more for, like... Have more of, like, a build-up Right, right. But, you know... It, I, I don't know. It's I, I have to agree that the, the first three were like probably the the far superior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I mean, it's also you know we're judging a newer film to three other films. You know what I mean? Which I'm sure, like obviously, in hindsight, you know every fucking Friday the Thirteenth. You know the first four Friday the Thirteenths were judged against you know part five part six part seven Mm -hmm. part eight and like they all have their own fans and stuff like that and i i mean to my knowledge i think the fourth one is like has been well received Mm -hmm. uh you know victor crowley i I, that's another thing i never understood is like naming like a fourth entry like i hate i mean and not a knock on him you know to do your thing but i hate when like it gets reintroduced like under like you know, a similar name where, like, it could be, like, confusing for some people. Because I feel like, I mean, not that it matters. Like, people will figure it out. Like, people aren't dumb. But at the same time, like, I didn't like the film being called Victor Crowley. No, me either. But, I mean, I feel that if that were the first Hatch It's like movie, they're going to make a fucking fifth scream and they're going to call it Ghostface. I'm going to be yeah. out. I'm going to be <laughs> like, fucking no. No. No, I, I agree. You know um, what I mean, though? Yeah, I mean, like, for people that... Or it's, like, fucking, you know, them calling, like, the fucking newest, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface. Like, no! Oh, don't even... Part 3 was Leatherface. Yeah, don't even get me started on that shit show. That's a... That's a... I still haven't seen that one. But yeah. from what I hear, it wasn't that great. Don't do it. But, um... I'll still watch it, but, I mean... Well, okay, we, we, we could... Uh, did you do a podcast on the Texas Chainsaw uh, franchise? No, yet? no. So that one might have to be done soon. All right, yeah, no. I, I, gotta, I gotta rewatch this. Because I'm a huge fucking fan of all but one of those, two of those that I've seen. What are the two that you... Can you guess which two I'm not a fan of? Next Generation. Yep, which I can appreciate now. It's fucking hilarious. And obviously there's that memorable... Uh, tit shot like in the window like where she just flashes out the window see it's been so long i've watched that and obviously like matthew mcconaughey's electronic leg that he fucking like is just killing a kid with like it's fucking amazing and like i can appreciate it now more so but overall like like that one and you know what i didn't like was uh um what was a new beginning is that what it was called or the beginning. Oh, the beginning. The yeah. beginning. Oh yeah. Okay. I wasn't a fan of that one. Love the remake. Uh, that's the, that's one of the weakest ones. I agree. Yeah. yeah love the remake. Loved 3D. I'm uh, glad. I, I honestly, I got worried. I'm like, is, no, is Jesse no. about to tell me that 3D is one of his least no, favorite? No. Texas okay. Chainsaw 3D. I thought was fucking awesome. I saw it in theaters. I I loved it. Oh, me too, man. I got free tickets to it too. Yeah, so I, yeah, was... I loved it. I thought it was really sick. I thought the kills were amazing. I thought the story was sick. I love the whole concept of it. I mean, the timeline was obviously odd and kind of screwy. Yeah, yeah, didn't make any sense <laughs> at all. But I can look past that because the film was entertaining oh. and it had uh, uh, Alexandria Daddario in it. Oh, God, so uh, yeah. I was all in. <laughs> that was an easy sell. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Whew. Yeah. 
you know, hot and bothered now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, back to uh, so. What's your favorite Adam Green flick then? The original Hatchet. The original Hatchet. Yeah. yeah. Just because. Did I mean, you see Grace? Did you? What do you think of Grace? Oh, I loved that. But yeah, I thought it was great. I loved Grace too. Again, uh, not a. He didn't direct that one though, right? No, he produced it, so, right? Paul Paul Soleil, I yeah. want to say his name is. is yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was fantastic too. That was like another in, a very interesting, uh, a very interesting uh, concept for sure. I don't know if uh, speaking of Grace, though, that same director. I don't know if you've seen it. Went on to do another film called Dark Summer. Yeah. Which, uh, which I highly recommend to anyone listening to this podcast. It's a really fantastic, underrated film, in my eyes, featuring the guy, uh, that main guy from It Follows, whose name escapes me. But you know, the, 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 the main guy in the movie. The fucking super awkward guy. Wait, what are we talking about? I'm talking about uh, Dark Summer. The, the kid from It Follows is like the, the main character in that film. I assume you've seen it follows. Yeah, I can't remember his fucking name though. Well, I guess I guess, I guess that's not important right now. But uh, yeah, no, Grace is great. Did you see Spiral? That is one I had not seen. No. Yeah, that's like his Hitchcockian uh, thing, and it's definitely cool. Um, that's not my kind of movie, but I definitely like it. It's cool. Yeah, I've, I've slept on that one. I have yet to. I've seen. I think everything else, to my knowledge. I mean, because what else is there? You got you got the Hatchet films. Frozen, digging up the marrow, Chillerama. Chillerama, that's right. Oh yeah, the, the what was it? The Diary of Anne Frankenstein, mm-hmm. right? Okay, that was it, which was hilarious too. Easily the best segment. Oh, uh, digging entire. up the marrow, which I've only shockingly I've only seen that once, but I loved it the, the one, one time, time that we seen. watched it yeah, together, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I need to revisit that. I because I do love it because I think that's the only film of his that I don't own right now. Yeah, I I had an extra copy i gave it to sean oh really yeah i'm sure it's sitting in his window selling his car or something <laughs> it's probably back in his old fucking house i know fucking, probably it flooded in his basement digging up the marrow once but i loved it and i think that was an awesome uh an awesome film i thought that was smart like a you know mockumentary type thing um obviously ray wise is fucking amazing oh but yeah that's the only one i don't own everything else i own i actually buy which I know we've talked to a little bit on this podcast that it's a, it's an industry where I feel like horror more than anything people still buy, but the average fan of a horror movie isn't gonna go buy, you know, the film. We still buy physical copies of these films. Oh yeah, I'll never, I'll never stop. Yeah, me either. But like, we'll buy. Like, I still buy if a movie comes out. Like, I cold bought Victor Crowley. I didn't see it and I bought it. I didn't like it, but. Wait, you oh, you just you didn't like it at all? I no, I liked it, but I didn't. It that's never gonna be my go-to Adam Green film. No, I I I, I, I think that is his, and this is my opinion. I think it's his weakest film. I agree. But with that said, you know, I still went out and like blindly supported him. Oh, absolutely. I mean. You know, I, I'm kind of just a Adam Green, I like diehard fan, I guess you could say. Uh, 
you know, being that I, I, I met the guy, you know, I, I, I don't know if you were there for the, the Palace Theater when uh, they had that screening of uh, Wrong Turn 2 and Frozen. You were there, no, right? Uh, nope, I didn't go to that one. I did go when they did the Hatchet Fest up there, though, oh. and he introduced it. And they played, uh, I think, the first two Hatchets and then premiered the third one. Oh, did you did you get to meet him at all? No, no. Uh, I left after the third one. I wasn't going to punish him or wait in line or anything like that so okay. I, I and i think i had to work in the morning so see i made I it as, bills to pay i made it as, i made it as awkward as possible i uh i'm uh after the the screening was over i saw him like he was hanging out in the lobby with the fan, with the fans or whatever uh him and uh joe lynch and uh Joe Lynch was definitely like a lot more uh, talkative. I think Adam, I, understandably so, was just burnt out from, you know, all the traveling and stuff that he was doing. But uh, I saw him walking out, and uh, I, you know, I was a little little buzzed. <laughs> a few uh, might have been a few PBRs in. I can't remember. But uh, I, I went up to him. I'm like, "Hey, Adam! Like, I'm a big fan, man. Like, can I give you a hug?" So. I hugged him, and uh, Brian was there as well. And of course, Brian, you know, also equally awkward. Yes, of course. I hugged him. You might be a little more awkward than Brian, but Brian uh, is pretty awkward too. It, well, that's actually, debatable. you know what? I tell you're both tied. I'm starting to think of how awkward Brian is. So you guys are probably pretty even. <laughs> anyway, continue. But yeah, no, he he was a super nice guy. Uh, I got a pick with him, and uh, with Joe Joe Lynch too was like he, but he was super. He was hilarious. He. Uh, Talked to me like we had been best friends for years, man. He was great. Um, which, I mean, we, we could discuss his films, too. I mean, I don't know how much of his stuff you've actually seen. But uh, none at all? What, no, Joe Lynch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I loved Wrong Turn, too, when I saw it. Um, Love Everly. I have not seen... Oh, you know what? I take it back. I did see Mayhem. Pretty, I watched I it over it was pretty Eric's. damn good, yeah. Thought that was a lot of fun. Steven uh, Young? Yeah. Uh, Yuang, Young, um, some Asian name. He's yeah. fucking awesome. Thought he was awesome in that film. Big fan of him. Uh, I'm excited to see him in more shit. So he, you know, distances himself from the Glenn character on The Walking Dead. So he isn't, you know, so associated with that. That like, I mean, it's like it with uh, Daniel Ratcliffe. Same thing. Like, you know, when anybody sees him. Whenever anyone sees him, he's going to be Harry Potter. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. I mean, which is a blessing and a curse, but at the same time, like, uh, Horns. He was awesome in Horns. I thought Horns was fucking awesome. I never got to see that, which is which is sad, because I am a big fan of the director. But um, I did see The Woman in Black, which uh, I thought was fantastic. Really? That bored the shit out of me. Oh, really? I, I, well, I could see that. I could see it's not for everyone, but uh, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought, you know, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Um, what were we talking about before we started talking about Harry Potter? Though? It's, I already lost my train of thought. I fucking threw you off, huh? <laughs> yeah. To Joe Lynch. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. I actually just rewatched Wrong Turn 2. Uh Easily, easily. I mean, I don't even need... Okay. Well, I'm a huge Rollins fan anyway, so yeah. that like uh, that sold me on the movie before I even saw it. And I lo- loved the first one. I thought the first wrong turn was a lot of fucking fun. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I, it had not been... Like, that kind of, like... Uh, like a Nida-looking character. 
characters that are in wrong turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, uh, <laughs> those fucking, what's the fucking, what's the like shitty street in fucking a night? Oh, my, my fucking street? No, what's the one street where the fucking Skaterama was on? <laughs> I don't, I couldn't even tell Well, not you the Skaterama. What the fuck was it called? What was the old name uh, of it? Awesome Fun and Skate? Awesome yeah. fucking Fun and Skate. <laughs> I've played yeah. shows and book shows there back in the day. Oh yeah, those fucking yeah, the, they that that crew would not look at a place hanging out outside the awesome fun and skate for sure. Fucking what is that? J Block. J <laughs> fucking J Block. I nobody, no, nobody that listens to this is gonna know what the fuck we're talking about. No. <laughs> yeah, but like the people look like they're from J Block. <laughs> Um, well, actually, to their credit, I think that the wrong turn mutants might be a little more respectable. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's fucking true. Talk about the worst fucking humans in the world. The fucking Joslins. <laughs> there's fucking... So there's a small town called Anida. It's the fucking biggest cesspool that's ever lived in anywhere in upstate New York. And there's a fucking a clan. They're literally... I don't even know how to say a clan. It's like... There's just so many of them too. I feel like there's all there's Billy Joe fucking Jocelyn. There's Bobby Sue Jocelyn. There's fucking they're the worst humans in the world. No, I, I, there's so many of them. I don't think I've seen the same one twice. I actually, I, I think uh, I think Broad Turd might be a, uh, a Jocelyn biopic. <laughs> but yeah, I love the first one. Uh, and then the second one I thought was fucking awesome. Uh, like I said, I was sold before I even saw it, seeing that Henry Rollins is in it. So, uh, but yeah, like uh, you kind of say their names in the same breath these days. You know, Adam Green, Joe Lynch, obviously because of the podcast and and everything that they've done and appeared in together. And uh, but yeah, no, I, well, yeah, like that's great though. It's it's good to see like that's kind of like like my ideal like. If I were a filmmaker, like I, I would want to like do like what he's what they're doing basically. Like they're two best friends, you know what I mean? Like they lived, they're living out their dreams together. I I don't know, like that that kind of thing is just like inspirational to me almost. Yeah. Without, at the risk of sounding cheesy, but uh, and I, I love the fact that Joe Lynch like literally like cameos in every single one of like Adam Green's films, uh, along with Adam Green himself. And they always have just like just the smallest but like most memorable like right, right. little cameos. Like for instance, when what were they like like uh, the the pilots and in, in Victor Crowley or something? Yeah, they yeah. were in like false mustaches. Yeah. I thought that was wait. Great. Why do you call them mustaches? Mustaches. Did I did I say mustaches? Yeah. Oh uh, well, I, I'm not gonna take it back now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so. I don't even know how to follow that up now. So, if you had to rank the four Hatchet films, how would you rank them? Uh, I'd say one, three, two, Victor Crowley. I would probably go three, one, two, Victor Crowley. Oh, okay. I can respect that. But, I haven't watched the second one in so long, but I love the second one. See, I, I, I might have a sort of a, uh, an unfair bias against Hatchet 2, not because I don't love it, but I have, like, not-so-fond memories of one one day when I was uh, back in my uh, the phase where I was drinking strawberries. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, got, I, I got white girl wasted. I watched Hatchet 2. Bad, bad decision. I was just like, 
I felt nauseous, like, you know, all that sugar and alcohol in my system. And uh, I, I threw that movie on, and I'm like, every little thing was just annoying me. Like, the guy singing the, the, the biscuits and gravy song, like, on the on the boat or whatever. I'm like, God, I can't fuck I can't do this right now. No, I, I liked it a lot, and obviously... You had uh, uh, Daniel Harris taking taking over the role. See, um, and I fucking love that. I thought she was great in the second one. I thought well, she was awesome in the third one. The third one is fucking so good. It's can, so fucking. What's good. Can, can you explain what what? I don't know. Is it part of like? Is this how emo, how she emotes? Like, the, does she always have to have like that like rock eyebrow going on? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? You ever notice no. that? Her, I mean, maybe a little, her but... Eyebrow, her eyebrow is, like, perpetually raised, dude. I don't know what it is. I love Danielle Harris to death, but it's like, you watch those movies, I'm like, you you can't, like, once, once like, someone pointed it out to me, and I can't unsee it now. I, you know, I think it, it's her shtick. I'm looking at photos now, because I actually wanted to see if I could see it. <laughs> she but... has a people's eyebrow in all of them? Either way, I think she's fucking, like, just... I love everything she's been in, and I think she made that series better, having been in it. Well, I mean, all right, well, you're looking at, like, her headshots and shit. That's a... All right, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about 10-year-old Danielle Harris. What'd you think of uh, Holliston? Oh, I loved it. I think that's great. I can't wait for that to come back. It won't be the same uh, odorous, but yeah... But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna well. Be sick for go, sure. go back to Daniel. Go back to Danielle Harris for a second. I just wanted to say that while I think that she is a great actress, her performance in those movies is like kind of like iffy. And it, it may not even it may not even be entirely her fault. But some of the lines and shit, like just her delivery is like so. Oh God, it's like just so cringy. I mean, like in, in moments where it matters, I feel like she's really uh, is good. But like, like, I guess lines that were supposed to be come like come across as humorous just came across as like cringy. Like something, what was it like Hatchet Three? She said something to the effect of like, "Why don't you go fish your own asshole or something like that?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, I I don't know, man. I don't. Know. I don't have any complaints about her in those movies. Oh, all right. Well, maybe it was just it was just the, the phony Southern accent kind of th- threw it off for me. You know, it seemed like every, especially in Hatchet 3 more so, I feel like every one of her lines is like a quip almost written for like a fucking, like, as if she were like Darlene on Roseanne or something. Everything that she said were like, <laughs> Darlene. It was like, uh, I don't know. It, it, just, it didn't feel like authentic to me. It's like she was waiting like just to deliver this punchline. I, I have a sneaking theory that Darlene... Uh, Connor is Brian Tyler. I feel like they have the same everything. I feel like everything about them is the same. Well, I never, I never thought about it, but you know, now that you bring that up, I can see it. Brian and Darlene are one of the same, one hundred percent. I've always thought that. Oh man, I can't wait for him to listen to this yeah. now. He won't listen. He never listens. No, I know. How, how why would he support his his friend's podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, Daniel Harris is great. You know, otherwise to me. Yeah. So, uh, what was the 
What's your go-to? Do you, uh, obviously you said Hatchet is your favorite, uh-huh. but do you have one of his films that is like a go-to that's just like you'll pick it up? Because some some of my favorite films, like my, my like top five favorite films, may not be my like ones I could pop in at any time. What's a, what's one of his movies you can pop in like any time or like is a go-to like? You know, if you had one, if you were gonna show, if you were gonna show someone Adam Green's work, would you show them Hatchet? Oh, I, I show. Or would you show them something like Frozen? Dude, anytime I've had like, uh, you know, I've been on a date or whatever, uh, Hatchet is always like my my go to movie. Hatchet's the go to date movie. Yeah, I mean, just it's kind of like just testing the waters a little bit because it's see like, what they're. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, you know, it's 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 not, I mean, it's gruesome, but it's not like gruesome in a way where it's like, you know, like, like it's not like torture porn kind of thing. I mean, it's like, it's like fun, you know, it's fun gore, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. So, you know, it helps me get a feel for that, that person uh, in particular. It, as you can see, I'm a single man. It hasn't worked out too well for me so far, <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. I just it's a fun movie. You can throw it on anytime. You know, I do it like if I'm throwing back a few beers or whatever, like, you know, it's just perfect. Now, if you had to rate his three best films, what are your, your favorite films of his? They don't have to be in the Hatchet series. Uh, uh, hmm. Well, I would put the first Hatchet at the top. Um Probably just I'd probably say Hatchet, Hatchet Three, and uh, Frozen. Yeah, that's mine too. So yeah, easily. But mine would be Hatchet, uh, probably Frozen, Hatchet Three, and then Hatchet. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you did say that Frozen was your favorite. Yeah, which it, it, it's it is fantastic. So I you know Eric has uh, Frozen. I can't remember where he got it, but lip he has balm? Frozen lip balm. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, he was there's something on the the Aeroscope Pictures website. Okay, yeah, yeah, Eric has some. I think it's funny. That's yeah. That's all. I wish I had picked that up. I missed the boat there, but um, yeah, man. Now, do you listen to his podcast at all? Do you listen to the Movie Crit podcast? Uh, a little bit, a little bit here and there. Not as much as I'd like to say that I. Yeah, do. I mean, it's hard to carve out time sometimes to fucking sit down for two hours and listen to stuff. Uh, I mean, let alone this fucking podcast. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fucking. But yeah, I I try to listen as much as I can have time for, but. Yeah. I fucking punch a clock, so it's kind of hard to fucking sit down for two hours sometimes. Well, exactly. And I mean, like, I'm not always in the mood to just sit down and listen to podcasts, which is funny because we're recording a podcast. But, uh, you know, but what, you know, what I, like, what I have listened, it's, they just seem like they're two, like, like Joe and and, uh, Adam are two super, like, down to earth guys, seem to really love what they do, seem to love the genre. You know, so have I, respect I, for the genre, absolutely, and its fans. Yeah, and without without see see, I, I, not to cut you off, but I'm gonna. That's that's fine. Um. See, I have like uh, I feel like to a certain extent, and I think more so for Adam Green more than like a Joe Lynch, but I don't think he. I think it's sometimes maybe lost upon him how many people actually support his films because all of because I, I he's obviously had qualms about people supporting the podcast and people you know stealing his movies and stuff like that and this is coming from people who buy his movies 
movies. Yeah. You know, I own his movies. You own his movies. Brian owns his movies. Sean owns his movies. Eric owns his movies. Other friends that we don't talk to fucking have <laughs> own his fucking movies. <laughs> we won't mention any yeah, names. Yeah. <laughs> um, own the movies, you know? Yeah. So you're talking about five or six people, like, I know for a fact, own copies of several of his films. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's lost upon him. Maybe how many people actually support his film. But, I mean, to the same... Because, I mean, he's had people come up to him at autograph signings and stuff and screenings and say, like, oh, you know, tell them they stole the film, you know, that they streamed it or whatever. Now, why would you... Why is First of all... Well, why, they're why, fucking idiots, I yeah. mean, number one. I mean, even if you are, you, you fucking don't say anything or you'll fucking lie to them. But, I don't know, I I want to have... If I'm invested into a certain person it's same thing with a band like if a band puts out a terrible album i don't know i don't have to sample it first i mean i have apple music now so i can sample stuff before i buy it but at the same time there's some things like converge converge will put out every time converge puts out an album i don't need to hear the whole fucking thing it's getting pre-ordered no matter what you know what i mean and that's same same goes for uh directors like you know fucking John Carpenter. The Ward is a fucking pile of shit. But guess what? I, and I could, yeah, I could never make it through that. One. I fucking watched it. I fucking didn't like it. And guess what? I bought the fucking thing anyway. I got that. Actually, I got that the Big Lads bargain. Me too. For, Me so. too. Yeah. Hey. I mean, granted, I got it for fucking three bucks. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I bought it, nevertheless. Well, I, dude, I mean, concerning the fact that, like, you could easily get all, like, the entire hatchet series you could go on on amazon and get it for what forty dollars at the most yeah like, so it's like i mean if you're a fan like you have no excuse to not to yeah so I, and i mean i i you know i kind of feel like more of an obligation with with guys like that that are lesser known you know i feel the need to support him like i I didn't know anything about Victor Crowley going into it, but I knew... Like, John Carpenter... Like, I love John Carpenter, but John Carpenter, when they re-release, which I'm sure they're gonna fucking re-release Halloween or something in the next few months, they're gonna have another edition of it, I'm sure. John Carpenter don't need anybody going out there to buy that for him to fucking, like, be alright. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean... I I mean I hope it didn't come across as me saying that like John Carpenter is a you know a, a sort of filmmaker that needs our support. Or something, no, but, he definitely but, he well his films. I mean John Carpenter's is just a completely another level. I mean you're talking like the guy has created legendary characters. Yeah, but in legendary films, like he's uh, he doesn't need the support, but he'll always have it because of things like Halloween. Of things like the thing, uh, you know, and the fog, and well, exactly. Well, like with Adam Green, you know, it's like it's he's still kind of finding his his footing. You know what I mean? And I I feel like I don't think he's finding his footing. You don't think so? That motherfucker is footed. Well, I mean, like the but I mean, a... he isn't like I mean, he's said that he's been offered big movie roles, like, but he's turned them down. So I can't really like. I mean, if we're talking finances here, I mean, I can't, I can't feel sympathy for somebody just because they've turned something down that they didn't want to do. You know how many times people have said like, uh, you know, I've done, you know, so many people have said like I did that for money so I could fund something I did want to do. 
that's what you got to do. So yeah. if you turn down big roles and then you're complaining about finances when you had a chance to take the money and run, I mean. Yeah, but at this, uh, I, I can see what you're saying, dude. But at the same time, like, I, I respect the fact that he doesn't want to sell out. Well, guess what? Artistic integrity doesn't pay the bills, and that's the bottom line. So if that's your, if your whole fucking income is being a, a, a product creator and a creator of content, uh, why would you, why would you limit yourself? Just because you didn't feel passion behind it. I mean, that... Because it's all going to fuel something else. So, let's say someone, you know, who's a... a, You know, a cult film, horror film director... That doesn't... Hasn't made a lot of money in the film industry. But has, you know, made films that people do like and revere. And are cult films... You know, if you're given an opportunity to direct or be involved in it some capacity with something that you're not necessarily behind, but they're going to pay you well, why wouldn't you take that? Because then that money can fuel something you do want to do and then give money, you know, it could pay the fuck, keep your lights on so you can do another film that you want to do or, you know, help you get through until you do the next film you want to do. I don't know. But the thing is- That's like, I mean, Henry Rollins said it years ago. It's just like, I don't know where this punk rock guilt came in. Like, if someone wants to give you money to have your song in a fucking commercial, why should you feel bad about that? Yeah, well, no, I see... I, I, I see when you, when from, you yeah. sacrifice... Like, he said this before. He's like... Uh, that's why he said he's never felt bad about any, like, whorish, like, move he's ever done as far as, like, making money. Because, guess what? You know, he's like, I, he's like, someone's going to judge me for taking the money when I have an opportunity, when I slept in, on the floor of a fucking van, when I slept in floors of fucking strangers' houses, when I friggin' didn't eat for weeks at a time so I could make these records and stuff like that. And then I have an opportunity to get paid on my music, like, and to, to make a living doing what I want to do. Like, why would I not take that? So you can't feel, I don't feel sympathy for people that don't take those opportunities when they come and then bitch about it. So, I mean, if those opportunities really did come for certain people and they didn't take them, like, you can't bitch that you're not making money. I mean, it's like, I mean, you look at Metallica. Metallica predicted the whole fucking, with Napster, they predicted how things were going to turn, and they turned that way. They turned slowly, because that happened in 2000, 2000, yeah, like 2000. Uh, the whole Napster thing, and Lars is still, like, ridiculed, but thankfully they have shirts that say fucking Lars was right, because now, guess what? After they friggin' tried, you know, arresting people for fucking having LimeWire and downloading fucking 900 years of music, you know, now everyone uses streaming and stuff like that. Granted, people are making some money off that. It's pennies, but still, at the same time, like, how do you... You know what I mean? That's like someone being... You can't be mad at someone for taking those opportunities to make money. Especially in the film and music industry. Two of the hardest industries to be a content creator in. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and, you know, I respect bands that are like, I don't care. Fucking steal the album. Do whatever you gotta do to listen to it. You wanna know why? Because those bands are going to make their money the way most bands, like, in more uh, genre-ized if I can create a word, um, uh, 
forms of music, they're going to make their money selling t-shirts and at the, at the live show. They're not going to make the money selling the fucking CDs. So that's why I think, which is why core conventions, I think, have gotten so big is because, you know, Adam Green isn't going to make a fucking living selling his movies, you know, whether he gets distribution deals or not. He's not going to fucking make a, a living selling his movies um, and he shouldn't have his career and his bills not be paid because people aren't buying those movies. You need to do other things to do that, which is why I think a lot of people are doing a lot of, you know, quote unquote celebrities are doing horror conventions now. I, it's a means to make a lot of money. I don't, I don't even, I don't think Adam charges though is a thing. No, no. Which is, which is, I mean, you can't complain about money if you aren't charging. I think he yeah. should charge. I think that's ridiculous. He doesn't charge. I, I, I've seen much lesser known, like. People that listen, listen, I have seen NHPOSs, and for anybody that's unfamiliar with that term, it's nothing happening pieces of <laughs> shit charging fucking an arm and a leg. Motherfuckers haven't been in or done shit in 20 years. Yeah. And you want $30? If fucking Tony Moran can $30? Yeah, Tony Moran or fucking, uh, I, I got nothing but. Let, let me tell you something. I am one of the fucking hugest fans of Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I gave fucking... Now, if he wasn't in Return of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead 2, and he was in fucking uh, Jason Lives, if Tom Matthews wasn't in those three films, if he was just in Return of the Living Dead, I probably still would have gave him $30. <laughs> but I fucking gave him 30 fucking dollars. Yeah. Tom Matthews yeah. is like owns a construction company now. That I did not know. He probably makes more money than fucking me, you, and Adam Green combined right now because yeah, fucking construction's what's up. But, like, okay, well, like, you don't bitch about money if you're fucking, if you're not charging at conventions. You should fucking charge at conventions. I don't I don't disagree with that. I think he should. I, it's cool that he doesn't, but, yeah, it's not as smart it's cool for the It's cool for the fans. Yes, it's awesome for the fans. But at the same time... <clears throat> It's an avenue to make money because you're not going to stop people that aren't true fans. Like, and I'll say it right now. I think if you don't buy movies, if you don't buy movies, you're not a true fan of like the art. Like you're not a fan. Like you're not a horror. You can't be like, oh yeah, I like horror movies. Okay. But like, you can't say I'm an Adam Green fan if you don't buy his movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think you, that's like saying, like, I think it's stupid. I think it's any band that I like, I try to buy some physical form of their CD to know that I'm supporting them or a t-shirt. You know what I mean? So if you're one of the avenues for you to make money is meeting and selling things at conventions, I can respect him not, um, not charging, but like you can't take away one of those opportunities and one of those avenues to make money and then complain about not making money. The music industry and the movie industry is not a fucking where you want to get into if you want to make money. You have to work fucking hard to make money. And the, he knows that. Joe Lynch knows that. All those guys know that. But you can't complain if you are if you're taking away those opportunities well, to make money. Well, going back to like the idea of, of him directing like a like a like a bigger budget, you know, for, well, Say, uh, I don't know, for example, that they, they... He's claimed it, so, I mean... I mean, okay, well, let's just say, for example, that they, that 
they had him direct a new uh, fucking Insidious movie or, or something, some popular franchise to that effect. Like, don't you think that, I mean, while that uh, he, he may have a lot of money coming in for the film, like, have, like he may have his, like, vision compromised in the process. I, I mean, don't you think that that sort of thing could have, like, a long-term impact on you in the sense that, like, you know, kind of kill your, if your you're passion? Too, yeah, put it like this, though. His films that... I don't think if it killed his pat I, I if it killed his passion, I'd question how diehard his passion was. And another thing, people who like us who go out and buy his films every time he releases one, already have buy-in to go to to go support that movie. Yeah. So we're gonna go to the theaters, and he's going to make money off people that actually wouldn't buy his physical film. Because none of his films have had a wide theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Like a wide theatrical release where it's in every fucking theater in almost every town type thing. Yeah. So if it was an Insidious type movie with that kind of namesake, it's going to be in every fucking theater in every fucking town. It certainly would help his name get out So there, guess so. what? Whether or not it bombed or not, guess what? It would get me and you and a bunch of... And, and all the fucking yahoos that don't buy the physical copies of his film to go to the movie theaters and actually pay... For the movie to view it, thus making money. Thus, even if it fucking broke even or whatever, like, one, then people that never, that only knew about the Insidious films and didn't know about Adam Green, you know, are going to hear from people like you and me or in the fucking thing, or they might like it. Let's say the it's a smash and they fucking like a, a, an Insidious version of Adam Adam Green's vision of a new Insidious film. I mean, obviously, James Wan's fucking done them all, but regardless, yeah. what if they do he, like it? Guess what? They're going to go he, to fucking... He, he didn't direct the third one. Oh, no, he didn't. Uh, who did? Lee Wan L. Yeah. Lee Wan L directed the third he one? He did, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, which him and uh, fucking Juan are like boys anyway. Right? Yeah. But um. But yeah. Uh. Then if they like it, they're going to check out his other work. You know what I mean? Yeah, if they're that right. that invested in the horror franchise, which horror is like, you're going to because you want to know what it's gonna say. Fucking. Then when they put re put out fucking Hatchet for the twentieth anniversary, it would say Adam Green, director of Insidious, the fucked up final fuck key or something. Right? <laughs> like you know what I, I mean? It's a porn parody. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he might have a good market if he did that. That I would watch, yes. But uh, I I can see where you're coming from, but like I the don't fucked know. up final fuck key. <laughs> I'm calling it now. <laughs> I, I, I might, I, I might actually have to copyright that myself. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I from a financial standpoint, yeah, it doesn't make any sense why he wouldn't want to do bigger films. But I don't know. I guess he has his reasons. Maybe he just would doesn't want to feel like a corporate horror or whatever. Whatever the case is, I would, I would absolutely do it. I'd fucking, I. If someone walk, if I was a film director. And someone walked up to me and told me, and I'm trying to think something I hate. Dude, I'd suck a dick for $1,000. Let's just get that yeah. out there. I mean, <laughs> so you can't... Well, like, if someone walked up to me and like, we're making a new Twilight movie. 
Will you? F- I I would have been the fucking key grip on the fucking new fucking Twilight. So S- somehow that example is le- is more gay than me sucking a dick. <laughs> so I would do like you know what I mean. I can't think of a film I hate, like a, a type of film I hate, like that I just like wouldn't uh, do. I don't know who's someone I hate. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. So, but you yeah, know, absolutely, I. No, I, I I agree completely, but I'm I'm not exactly like, you know I. I'm not the. Uh, you gotta help me out here, man. What you're drowning <laughs> here, Jesus! I, I am. Well, you're the podcast, so you're supposed to carry. Well, this I thing. thought you were going somewhere. I, I was, but you, you gotta you gotta help you gotta help me along here. Well, be the you fucking you, you be started the swerving off the road. And I thought you'd get back on, but you fucking no, on the other side into the other. I'm ditch. already in a ditch. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to drive out of the ditch, and then you just drove across three lanes into the other ditch. <laughs> which, uh, which also uh, describes my, my uh, romantic life. But, uh, <laughs> God, what the fuck were we talking about? You're really off the rails here, <laughs> yeah, now, aren't you? Uh, no, but I don't know. I mean, it's ultimately uh, a person's own decision to whether or not if they get offered... If he got offered a big film and he he said he's been offered uh, you know a big film before and he turned it down, I mean, you can't bitch about money if you're turning shit down. Well, ne- okay, neither of us are in, are well, we're not in a position where I mean, dude, let's just be honest. Not we, at all, but I mean, I mean, come on, like, if you're offered some, like, if it was the Last Exorcism, dude, I, he made a good choice not doing it. it if he it was the Forest. He made a good choice not doing that. Okay, I mean, it, I don't know, man, because like it's we don't we're not filmmakers, you know. I mean, it's 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 hard for us to say just be like, oh, I would fucking I would do this, I would do that, but you know, he has his own reasoning. I'm not I'm not gonna question, you know. The only I, reason I question it is because there's been a financial element to the podcast, not so much anymore because they have a Patreon. Um, where you can, you know, pay monthly and support it and things like that. Um, so, and they've got, and he, they, when I say they, I mean specifically him because I think he's been more burdened by the fact that people don't support, you know, the, you know, there are, there's a, a, a large number of people who don't support him in the way of buying the film. Mm-hmm. Unlike us, like I, like I've said, we all buy his, all of our our small group of friends who are all horror fans, all buy his films, own several of his films. So we're, I'm I'm playing fucking devil's advocate here, because I buy his fucking films. Yeah, but I'm saying like, can you if you're turning down, you know, supposed big movie jobs, like how can you bitch about finances if you had an opportunity to make the money? Okay. You, you, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, but at the same time, like you said, and I agree, we're not filmmakers. We aren't in the position to be making films. Thank God. I would never want to be a fucking filmmaker. Just imagining and hearing just on their podcast, all the shit that they have to deal with. I would never be able to fucking do it. No. Um, but at the same time, like I felt that like sometimes there would be, you know, uh, he'd talk about all the content he creates and how he doesn't, he does it for free. You know, he did scary sleepover and, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, horrified and all these little shorts and stuff that he does and he doesn't make money off. It's like no one's asking for those. I mean, sure, people are. People are like love it and want more of it, but he has no obligation to do it. So, like, if you aren't getting paid, man, like, if you're doing it for the love of it, do it for the love of it. And But don't complain because you aren't getting paid for those things. Like, and I, don't complain that you aren't getting paid for the podcast. Stop doing it, I then. can see that. Well, so, I mean, I, I, no one wants him to stop doing it, but, like, stop doing it if you're that, like... If you were, if you're that upset that you aren't getting paid for it, it's like stop doing it. If you don't like what you're doing because you're not getting paid for it, or if you love what you're doing and you hate that you're not getting paid for it, stop doing it. And then you know, but like I said, they have a Patreon page up now, and people are paying monthly for them to quote unquote keep the lights on. And so. Isn't that how pretty much anyone gets out of a financial holistic? Yeah. Like in this day and age, fucking literally everyone and their mother has a Patreon now. So yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever. I mean. It's it's which is good because I was getting tired of hearing people as as we've been talking about bitch about their lack of money. Uh, listen, from, man, like, I can't listen. I'm gonna lay it out right now, and like I said, this has been up until the last few minutes. It's been an Adam Green gush fest, but I'm gonna be real here for a second. You can't fucking like post like a five hundred dollar Millennium Falcon toy that you bought. You can't bitch about money to me. Or you, someone who has to work, you know, 40 or more hours a week to pay your bills. When you have the opportunity to work with stars and make movies for a living and, you know, make ends meet any way that you can in that industry, you can't. You can't buy a five hundred dollar Millennium Falcon toy or buy get you know go see Guns N' Roses a couple times on their friggin' what, you know hey, reunion he can't, tour. He can't enjoy himself. You can, but don't bitch about money when I I know how much of this shit's costing you or you know flying over to see the friggin'. Uh, granted, I'm sure D D Snyder gave him a good uh, got him a guest list spot, but like. Don't fly all over the place to go see the last few Twisted Sister uh, gigs on the tour and then complain about money to me. Like, I got to fucking punch a clock, pal. Just because, you know, you don't. Um, like, more power to you. I'm glad you're living your fucking dream, but don't don't make me feel guilty for listening to your podcast for free. And then you're providing free content for people to absorb freely. If you don't like it, char- if you don't like it, charge. Same thing with, like... If you don't like not making money, start charging. But you're the way you've been describing it. I, I, dude, I don't think I've literally ever heard him say anything about his his financial troubles. Like, and I follow him on. No, on, well, you I gotta listen to the podcast. Go back. Well, all the older episodes are now down because they changed from Geek Nation to uh, like just doing it themselves or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh, you know, it was something he talked about, like keeping the lights on to do the podcast, like. You know, we're not getting paid to do this, you know, and the I'm not, like, making money, um, you know, I'm doing all this free content with Horrified and Scary Sleepover, and I'm not getting paid for it and stuff like that. It's like, our, well, I'm sorry, dude, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think sometimes they lose sight, uh, specifically Adam loses sight and i'm being critique and you know i'm gonna we'll tag him when we post this episode because we've talked very nicely about him and we support him so i yeah. feel like i can be critical when i want to you know he's been to masters of horror put it this way you can boil it down to this he's been to masters of horror dinners that were i believe uh, organized by mick garris mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think they were at Mick Garris's home. I could be wrong, but I I think that they were. I can only hope so. Yes. Um, but you know, you have Toby Hooper, John Landis, uh, George Romero. I'm not sure if Romero. I don't think Romero ever went to one, but I know Wes Craven went to one. I don't know if John Carpenter went to one either, but um, like Masters of Horror, you liked it, like the TV series, right? Like- but they had these things called the Masters of Horror dinner, where they would all get together and have dinner together. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it was hosted by Mick Garris. But regardless of that, to to say that they've had conversations with someone like Wes Craven, someone that I know for a fact, obviously they grew up loving and was a huge inspiration to them. And for Adam Green to have like that, that well-known moment with George Romero that he's talked about, you know what I mean? Where George is, you know, saying whatever like amazingly nice things to him because George Romero enjoyed his films and stuff. Boil it down to that. No matter what kind of financial burdens you're having or how much, you know, you're creating all this free content, people aren't paying for it, and you're getting fed up with doing a free podcast, and and granted, they have a Patreon and stuff now, but, like, you're making all this free content, and you feel like you're getting gypped and jived, and you're having arguments with Lloyd Kaufman, because Lloyd Kaufman leaves and just put it out there, make everything free, um, and you're having all those doubts. Think about that conversation you had with George Romero, and think about how many people out there who wish they were filmmakers like i said not me i i that's fucking i would i love film i love i admire and respect filmmakers but i would never be one because i i can just only imagine what a bad shit fest it is but when you're having all those doubts and all the negativity about how hard you work and stuff like that and how you don't get paid for it one someone's got it way worse than you pal always and guess what how many people who are film director who are trying to be film directors have had an opportunity to sit down with one of their heroes, George Romero, and have George Romero say something I'm sure immensely kind and inspiring isn't, to him. Isn't that isn't that kind of what what his uh inspir- or like inspiration for making Victor Crowley yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. I mean So when it boils down to that, do you really have anything to complain about that you should complain about? No, you're right, but I, I just I, I admire the fact that he he, he just wants to kind of hang on to that uh, like independent you know director mindset. You but know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, listen, George Romero never played by the books. Yeah, he never played ball. Guess what? Because when they said you know we want it this way or we want it that way, you know what he said? Fuck it, I'm moving to Canada. He's like, I'll shoot it in Canada, pal. I'll do. I'll shoot movies in Canada. Fuck you. See what was it? The the, the first Hatchet film, I believe, was uh, it was put out by by Anchor Bay, correct? Right. Yeah. So, but but the later sequels, like none of that. With Dark Sky. Yeah. So right. it's weird. Like I don't know what happened with that. Like what the what like happened behind the scenes. But like Anchor Bay is like a huge company. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if he just kind of. You know, they wanted to, to do something he wasn't comfortable with. And, uh, like, so that's why he kind of turned to uh, Dark Sky, which would probably gave him a lot more, you know, free reign to do what he wanted. Right. Listen, I boil, like I said, I boil it down to this. Someone that's, you know, now friends with people that, you know, you or I are aspiring filmmakers or anybody could only dream of being friends with and the people he's worked with and the experiences he's had. Yeah. Uh, you know, and to be able to, you know, travel around the world and travel, 
you know, uh, around this around the United States and premiere a new film and have this amazing story about George Romero um, and all this stuff, and then you know, still being able to afford to go see multiple dates on a Guns N' Roses show or on the Guns N' Roses tour, go see Twisted Sister uh, wherever on their last shows or whatever. Put it this way. I got enough to pay my bills and have a little bit of entertainment that doesn't involve flights and doesn't involve multiple days going to see Guns N' Roses or traveling to the United States. So consider yourself lucky. uh, Count your blessings and don't, and, and, and quit bitching as much. Granted, I think, as far as I could tell by the podcast, I think he's bitched a lot less. And I think... And I don't know if George Romero said anything to him about that. Like, if he... Something simply is like, don't worry about the money. Just do what you gotta do. You have a fan base type well, thing. Well, I would hope so. I mean, he's the man that pretty much started it all. I mean... He is the ultimate independent filmmaker. Yeah. Still to this day. He for, for, forever changed the film industry George Romero did oh yeah I mean well as you can see from the last 10 minutes of this podcast we're very big Adam Green fans no for real Uh, though like we are though we the first you know I have nothing but love and respect for him and his films and, and you know the revitalization that he has played a part in along with several other directors in keeping you know fresh new ideas in the horror genre alive but i can't critique i, I can't I, be critical at no, least a little no, bit no, for someone put it this way i don't give a he ain't gonna ever listen to this so i don't care um i'm i buy the films i my hard-earned fucking money or I got to work an hour to buy a film or a fucking, you know, an hour and a half, whatever, fucking to buy a film. Well, I, I, I'm just saying, I, I, I didn't expect this, this, that's, you know, taxes. Uh, you know? I, I didn't expect this, this, to take this direction. I mean, we, we started off discussing his films. And then oh, like, I got dark. The, I the, got real the, the last I brought it right to the like, fuck I, the other I, way. I haven't had much input. The last 10 minutes has kind of just turned into a, a, a Jesse, a, a shoot interview. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but no, it's bothered me and I, and I felt like I wanted to say it and I wasn't going okay. to, but you know what? Fuck it. Like I said. Well, fuck if anybody's entitled to fucking speak their mind and have kind of an, uh, kind of air some grievances with somebody that I support and love and respect as art. Like, well, fuck, why not? If that makes me a fucking asshole, fuck you. Come fight me. I'll give you the address of the fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think well, I'm think I'm hostile? A little? Uh... I'm not serious, but I am fucking absolutely 100% serious at the same time. You can tell, by the way, his, his, you can't see it, but his, his nipple's poking out right now. Yeah, I'm wearing a cut-off Motorhead shirt. Because it, it made me seem very, like, weird if my nipple's just poking out. You're I don't know what, like if I'm just like wearing like a, a baby blue shirt and it's all wet right now. I want to make sure that they knew I, my actual nipple's hanging out because I'm wearing I, a I wish that were Motorhead the case, cut-off though. shirt. You're just channeling your inner Braun Strowman. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, nothing but uh, love and respect for his films. I think they're well, I mean, we amazing. Could, I, I can see where you're coming from, but we could kind of just agree to uh, disagree on that. I mean, you, it, what are we disagreeing about, though? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I could see where he was coming from and not wanting to, you know, sell out. But I mean, you, you pretty much, ex- you, you've made many good points. But I mean, we. we but well, well this is reasons. what I'm saying, though. It's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a band getting offered a huge record contract. And guess what? You know, this is what it boils down to. You could still play all the old material. Yeah. You know, and if it's going to give you... But it's different with bands because uh, record labels can 100%... Like, you put out an album and it you have to tour on it. And same thing with a film, but guess what? You can... You can read. You're not in a contract with the film studio unless you're fucking Steven Spielberg or someone fucking random. You're not in a contract with the movie studio. So guess what? You could fucking sell out and take the fucking money and run and use the money that you make on that film he and might, make something that you love and give back to your fans and do exactly what you he want. You just not want a, a you know. Well, you can't. This that, is what I'm saying. You can't have an opportunity to make money and then bitch about not making money. No, bottom I, line. I see, bottom yeah, line. You're right. You're right. I, I cannot disagree that's like, with that. That's like, listen, that's like Vince offering someone on the indie scene a fucking contract. No, I ain't fucking selling out. I ain't going to the WWE. Fuck them. Well, guess what? You could go fucking wrestle for a year, then fuck up or do some roids and then get kicked off the fucking roster, then go back and fucking live your passion and be the punk rock indie wrestler then, man, if you're not fucking feeling it. But if you're given an opportunity to fucking be exposed to more people and fucking be put, you know, on screen in front of the world, why the fuck? You can't bitch. Uh, That's like an indie guy saying, fuck you, Vince. I ain't taking your contract. Go fucking shove your, you know, your money contract up your ass. And then being like, well, what the fuck? I'm broke as fuck. Fuck this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, the money aspect of it, I mean, I, I... I, I get where you're coming from, you know. He he, he definitely doesn't have any room. Like to I bitch, said, this is coming but... from people. This is coming from me. I've been buying his films for ten years. Yeah, but you know, I maybe he would just feel that you know it kind of just have it tarnishes his quote unquote legacy. Um, I mean, because look, 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 for instance, like 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 Ty West for he did the Cabin Fever two. Put it this way though. Go ahead, go on. Just saying, like, he fucking hates that movie, dude. And but Cabin Fever, that, that's a movie, literally, like, and everybody knows. Like, yeah. I mean, so I mean, of course, he was gonna accept. Um, he was gonna accept the. They, uh, you know, I can't fucking talk, man. Can we? Can we edit this part out? No. Okay. So anyway. No edits in this part. So of course he was gonna accept like the the offer to to make the sequel. But like that is is kind of an example of where like you know he wasn't thinking he was thinking more business oriented than he was about like his 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 passion for filmmaking. You know what I mean? And, and like he like that movie did not come out any way how he wanted it to, and maybe just Adam just doesn't want to have like. And I have. But you want to know something though? What's that? He could have taken a big movie role. It could be a, a movie he fucking dreaded making. He fucking hated the movie. It didn't do well or anything. But guess what? In 10, 15 years, it might have a fucking cult following. 
look at John Carpenter's The Thing. Fucking bombarella. Bombed fucking to bombdom. It fucking bizommed. It bombadommed. <laughs> it fucking boomity bombed. It fucking was a piece of shit to most people. But guess what? That's one of his most revered films other than Halloween now. Yeah. I mean, he, I think, I'm pretty sure he liked it and thought he had a home run. Um, so, you know, that I don't think that was something John Carpenter hated or didn't like or anything like that because I know he was an original, the, the original, you know, the thing from outer space or whatever. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It might have a following in a couple years. You know how many, you know how many people put, you know how many bands put out records or things like that that they fucking, they're like, oh, I hated that one and it's the fucking one everyone loves. And it could have fucking made him money or it could have just, you know, it could have pushed him along to to make the next thing or have money to make something that he actually wanted so so in in summary but either way like i said i don't know the logistics but you can't complain about money to someone who actually has to punch a clock adam green if you if you get contacted by by blumhouse (laughs) just just take it all right yeah yeah blumhouse more than anything just just take that offer all right just do it for us these two douchebags sitting on their on the couch just Hey, speak for yourself. Yeah. Well, if the shoe fits. But anyway, it's been a nice little podcast we've had yes, here, dude. Yes, I, I mean, we were kind of ascending up to like a, a heavenly nice little gush fest, and then... It all came crashing down. I brought it south quick. But I was just being honest. That's something that's bothered me for a while, especially someone who, you know... The music industry is fucking terrible, and someone who'd been in bands and had, you know, done you know, you know the band thing for so long and stuff like that, uh, I don't have the patience or the the willpower to continue and be serious about a, a musical endeavor anymore because it's just fucking insane and it's draining. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking crazy, and it's insane to try to keep fucking people together. Uh but. You know, as someone who didn't have an opportunity to to you know make the strides that like he has, it's uh, deflating to hear someone complain about money when money was an opportunity to be made, and when they've ha- they've lived the life that all you know, people like you or I are an, or an ins- aspiring filmmaker can only dream of. Yeah, I had to get that out because it's been, been nagging me for a while. So I wanted to, but that doesn't take away from anything I feel about any of his movies. I think all his movies are fucking great. I fucking even the ones that I I don't like as much I still own, mm-hmm. you know I'm not getting rid of them, and guess what? When they fucking put out another special edition, oh guess what? In fucking twenty years, when they have a freaking uh, Victor Crowley freaking f- four disc fucking I don't even know what what format are we going to next? I was hoping we we. We go back to laser discs. Yeah, well, okay. When they got the fucking the four disc laser disc Victor Crowley special <laughs> fucking edition, Arrow release with fucking a big fucking poster of a fucking plane with fucking Q from Impractical Jokers on it. Guess what? A newly fucking, commissioned artwork. A newly commissioned artwork by fucking I don't even know. Yeah. Or hey, Hendo the Third. <laughs> I'll buy it. So. I mean, I supp- I don't know how much more anybody could ask for than having devoted fans that even if they don't like the film, they're buying it. Fuck. That's sure. all I gotta say. Uh, yeah. Anytime, dude. Anytime Adam Green's name is on anything, I'll buy it. So. 
you know, diehard fan for life. Not, you know, there aren't many filmmakers that I, to this to this day that I uh, fall like I fall Adam Green, but you know, it it just despite all, all of his uh, the flaws that we made clear and during the, I don't think they're flaws. I think they're I I just think that they're things I didn't agree with or I took a grievance with knowing that he is like I said has a life that only certain aspiring filmmakers could only imagine having you're right so Dan how was how did you like your first episode of the podcast it was was good let's do it again sometime whenever you want to actually be a friend (laughs) and text me and ask me to hang out when your other plans don't fall through I'd love it I did today didn't I I know I'm shocked first time in a long time though well, the phone works both ways, doesn't it? That it does. And on that note, this has been the Heart Guy Media Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Heart Guy Media. On Twitter at Heart Guy Media. You can find us on iTunes. Search Heart Guy Media Podcast. Um, search Heart Guy Media on SoundCloud. Um, follow, uh, rate and review on iTunes. Um, we're going to get to Spotify soon. I think it's got to happen. Follow uh, at Dan Clawford on Instagram. At Dan Clawford on Instagram. Um, and uh, I find me on Tinder. Throw me a super like. All right. Is there a super like now? Oh yeah. What the fuck? What's a super like? Well, we could talk about that after the mic is off. Okay, sounds good. Is there uh, is there anything else you wanna, Dan? What's a we were talked about doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, so you definitely want to be a part of that. Oh, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. End it. Oh, easy. End it. But yeah, um, give us a follow. Uh, spread the word, because right. I'm not paying for promotions, because I don't have uh, the time, effort, or money. Bridget's so. yelling at us. We gotta go. So, thank I you. Say, I don't give a fuck about your money. <laughs>